I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And today we have a good friend of ours, a local guest, uh, to talk to us about a topic that we haven't really had a chance to go in-depth on here on the show. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about real estate investing all throughout our past 30-some-odd episodes. Uh, And we touched on a little bit about how you can use that to plan for your retirement. But retirement itself is not something that we've really talked about in regards to agents and other types of self-employed professionals. So today we have a guest uh, who's you know very knowledgeable on this subject that's going to shed some light on it for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it it uh, for a lot of our listeners, you know, uh, I I have a general idea of who you are, and based on the engagement that you guys have reached out and the outpouring of support, and we we really appreciate that. And it's kind of all across the spectrum, frankly. So, you know, I think it's I think it's really interesting, Gabe. The the dynamics of the real estate industry right now and who makes up the residential real estate realist residential real estate space is it, it's kind of obviously it's all different shapes and sizes sure but i do see and i would be interested to see statistics on this um if they were out there as to what segments are more heavily obviously more heavily you know kind of uh, populated I see a lot of very, very qualified, experienced real estate folks that have been at it for decades. Sure. That are really just crushing it right now in a good market, right? In a brisk market that are are relying upon years and years of experience, years and years of contacts built, and they're just doing really well, right? And we've talked about kind of the advent and the entrance of a lot of young people. Younger, newer. Yeah. Okay. So, so... You know, the converse, this conversation that we're going to have today might reach different segments of our audience very differently. It may sure. be more eminent for some folks to talk about retirement. It may be something that's almost futuristic, like how how can we talk about the end before we? Some of our listeners might be more focused on getting their business off the ground. Yeah, exactly. Let's Don't talk about tune the out be- yet because let's, this, let's like, not talk about the end before the beginning. Like, yeah. h- how does that make sense? So, I mean, we we're trying to, but we're trying to make this show valuable for everyone that listens. And truthfully, I think what you'll hear, okay, I'm, what I'm expecting to hear from Mike today is that it's just as valuable for that brand new agent to start considering their retirement. Now start considering your exit before your entrance or at your entrance, Mm -hmm. um, have an exit strategy. And, and even if that's just being strategic, even if you don't have the money to do anything right now, just know what you should do. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself because I think it's something our industry is sorely lacking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this type of planning, you know, just in general, is something that a lot of self-employed people don't get a ton of exposure to. And maybe they're not sure who to ask their, their questions to or even where to start. Yeah. So I think that today's episode could definitely shed some light on that for our listeners. Well, absolutely. Especially considering... A lot of the people that are considering real estate as a career right now, you know, are considering it as an alternative to the big box corporate kind of, you know, career track that they may have otherwise, that their parents may have otherwise, you know, been down before. And Mm -hmm. they only know one way and they don't even know before they get into real estate that this, this kind of education isn't 
isn't a requisite. No, it's not present. Some people go through years and years in the industry before they ever start to think about these things. Absolutely. So when we come back from the break, we're going to have Michael Bush talk to us a little bit more about retirement planning for our agent listeners and for anybody that's at any point in their real estate career, you know, there's going to be valuable nuggets here for you to pick up on. So we'll be right back. And we're back, folks, and I am so excited to introduce to you uh, our guest for today, as Gabe and I talked before the break, a great friend of mine, a college teammate, don't think we've had one of those on the show yet, Uh, former baseball, Bellarmine baseball extraordinaire, currently managing director at Northwestern Mutual here in Louisville. Just a little bit about Michael Bush. He started with Northwestern in 2002, directly out of college. He is a financial advisor and became managing director of a, a hugely successful office. In 2017, uh, they won the Achievement Award with Northwestern Mutual, which basically measures three-year growth across eight different categories uh, for an office of their size. Mike, thank you for joining in. We really appreciate you addressing this all-important topic for our listeners. Absolutely, Jay. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Gabe, you as well. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. I man. think a lot of people would a lot of people would probably question that extraordinary comment. <laughs> I might dial, dial that back down a little bit. Well, I could have said I could have said you know my uh, my partner in crime at U of L football. I could have said you know a lot of different things. There's a lot of superlatives I could have assigned to you, but I yeah. thought I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be kind. What do you think? Yeah, well, there we there we go. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So I got I got an important question for you. So uh, basically, you know, real estate professionals, like a lot of sales professionals, a lot of commission sales professionals, um, are notorious for neglecting retirement. So this is a topic that Gabe and I talked about very early in the, you know, planning for this show is something that we wanted to address that issue and. You know, I think we have done that by way of real estate investing, which is, as you know, a passion of mine. And I think that's that's kind of like the logical um, logical direction that most real estate professionals take when thinking about retirement. And I think that's just simply because they're they're ill prepared or ill informed about what a good, healthy retirement plan looks like. Why don't you just touch on a few broad topics that every retirement plan should include? Well, first, let's define what retirement really means, right? Because you have a lot of uh, professionals out there, whether it's in real estate or some other sales or independent contractor, they own their own business, whatever it is, um, many of those people aren't ever going to, quote unquote, retire, right? Because they either don't have to or don't want to or just love what they're doing. And so I think for a lot of people, we have to first define what, quote unquote, retirement means. Um, retirement to most people, you know, I'm 38 years old. I know you guys are, are around my age as well. Um, you know, retirement is not something that, that is going to happen for a long, long time. Right. And if it ever really happens, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who, who retires and sits on the beach all day long or, or plays golf all day long. I'll always be doing something. And most of the clients that we work with who are in real estate tend to have the same type of mentality, right? That either they can continue to buy and sell real estate, they can show houses, they can invest in properties, whatever it is for a long, long time. So, so that really becomes the first step is what does, what does retirement mean? And and how do you define that? Well, I mean, I would define it as, 
you know, not probably spending 40 hours a week or more generating active income. That's, that's probably, yeah. that's probably a very simplistic definition, Mike. And you could probably do improve upon that. But in my definition, I'm the kind of person that probably won't ever retire that you're speaking of. Right. Like I <laughs> right. just, you, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a mover. Wired for growth. I'm wired for growth. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Um, I may not always give the effort that I give now. And hope, in fact, I hope, Hope that you I hope to be fortunate enough to not, um, not to be in that place sooner rather than later. But I, I won't ever quit, right? So I'm not looking for, you know, laying on the beach with my feet up all yeah. all hours of the day. But you know, I don't want to have to make decisions. I and want, that, and that's where that's where we go right there. The have to make the decision. So we want all the clients that we work with. We want them to be in a position at some point in their life to choose whether they want to go to work today or not for the income that they need to live, right? Sure. You want to have choice to be able to go put your feet up on the beach for, for a, a few months if you, if you want to, or you want the choice to continue working because you love doing it. So that's really what we work towards for most people in a commission-based, uh, you know, volatile income type career where some months might be, you know, extreme uh, positives, other months might, might be negatives even. Right. Sure. And so we want to make sure we want to make sure that we're always tracking towards something, working towards something to get purposeful with the amount of money that's coming in the door. Okay. We want to make sure that, so a, a fundamental principle of financial planning is a budget and it's very novice and it sounds, you know, terrible to most people. It's kind of a bad word, but but you think of, of, of a budget in terms of getting purposeful with the surplus, understanding what's coming in, what has to go out to, to run your lifestyle, household, business, whatever it is. And, and whatever that surplus is on a monthly or quarterly or annual basis, let's get purposeful with that to position those dollars in the most effective ways so that they, they grow long term. Well, that makes makes total sense. I mean, obviously, you know, the variable is time and, you know, somebody like Gabe has even a little more time than you and I. Um, so, so that, that kind of maybe begs the question, when, when do you start? When, do, when should our listeners start considering? Cause frankly, you know, I mean, I met someone this morning considering getting into the real estate business. This person is in their twenties, right? They're still looking for any semblance of stability and, you know, a career they can really sink their teeth into. And it's kind of hard you know, it's hard to tell that person they need to be focused on retirement from the beginning, from yeah. day one. Yeah. Right. There needs to be some reasonable expectation of success before you can start planning your exit. Right. So what, what do you say about that, Mike? I mean, what's, 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 what's the optimal time? Yeah. So the cliche thing to say is that the time is now, right? The time is yesterday to start saving or planning. But but I think you really dig deeper and you say, okay, you know, retirement is is this long way off thing that doesn't mean anything to most people. Okay. And so retirement planning is one, I'd call it a subset of financial planning. So if you really look at building a financial plan, you're never too early to actually build a financial plan. You're never too young to build a plan. And a plan can be as simple as doing a budget you know, scratch the paper, you know, figuring out what's coming in again, what's going out, what your bills are. And then as simple as setting up, uh, you know, some type of a savings account as an emergency fund to, to, you know, be that, that surplus cash that you, when you need it, you have access to it. 
once you have a sufficient emergency fund saved up, we can get a little more purposeful with some of the dollars and maybe you're investing some in some mutual funds or maybe real estate or whatever it is. Real estate becomes a component to the overall plan, just like uh, a SEP IRA or a 401k might be a component to the overall plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So sounds sounds eerily similar to the beginning of of uh, another radio personality's <laughs> you know baby steps plan. Do you, are you you follow me? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like yeah, the, it sounds yeah, like can, the first three I, baby steps. Am I allowed to name that guy by name? No, yeah, of course. I mean, as long as we don't say anything bad about him. <laughs> no, Dave, Dave Ramsey is fantastic at helping people build a financial plan. You know, helping sure. people who who are either in financial trouble or or just getting started. Um, you know, build a budget, put some money away for an emergency fund, get purposeful with with the amount going into savings accounts and retirement plans. With I think he does a fantastic job at that, and and it is. It sounds similar because it's oftentimes common sense. Or like like you say about it being common sense, I feel like a lot of times that's where uh, some people's familiarity with retirement planning stops. You know, I feel like there's a lot of our listeners that are obviously are familiar with budgeting and, and savings accounts and even maybe with the basic principles of investing, like you said, with, with mutual funds and that sort of thing. Uh, but a lot of people, their first introduction to this stuff is is maybe through their employer's program that they have. But for people that are self-employed, they they might not get exposed to this and are maybe too embarrassed to ask the questions until it's too late. So what would you say is the, the next step after the baby steps are taken care of for somebody that is self-employed? Yeah, good question. So so I would say uh, it's highly critical to find an advisor that you're, you're going to work with one-on-one who's going to be making recommendations based on your individual situation. I think too many times people will... Um, uh, you know, read a book or or listen to the guy on the radio or whatever it is, and, and follow to a T everything that is said or written. And you have to be able to take a step back and realize that everything that is being said there is being said for the masses, right? Every right. single person in America is getting the same recipe for a financial plan, and you know, you guys might be in one. Per- you know, you might have one guy who's making five hundred thousand dollars with no debt. You might have another guy making, you know, $100,000 with $50,000 of student loans and 25000 of credit card debt. And those guys are not in uh, the similar same boat. situation. Yeah. So they should not take similar recommendations for their financial plan. So, so I think that's the next step. You know, there's some basic foundational common sense things. I say common sense, but, you know, some people need a little more education, which is totally fine. But there's some basic foundational common sense things that, um, that everyone should do. And then beyond that, it's really time to sit down with, with an advisor and, and have a conversation about what makes sense. You know, some people are going to work at um, Humana, for example, or some major Fortune 500 company for the next 30 years. They're going to put money in their 401k plan. They're going to retire. Mm-hmm. Other people, other people, you know, like we're talking about with real estate agents, maybe they um, continue working forever and never retire. So everybody's going to be different. No, absolutely. I mean, I think those are all good points. You know, the thing that strikes me there, um, kind of coming off the conversation about baby steps and what's what what's beyond baby steps. Well, you know, I and, and maybe you could speak to this, Mike, just how crucial it is. I, Gabe, I fully understand your point about not having the baseline amount of guidance that most employers provide. Sure. And and, and it's not really the employer providing it other than they have a retirement plan that you can buy into. And I, exactly. I'm not, I'm not always con I'm not always convinced that, 
those people it's receive. It's like the retirement plan with training wheels on it. I mean, yeah, it's that's there. Exactly, yeah. That's it. Like, do you want the 401k or not? Here's how much we match. Sure. Like, I don't know that they're getting a lot of advice on how to apply those funds once in the 401k. Yeah. Um, but we don't even have that. You know, real estate professionals, our industry, you know, is is freewheeling. So, mm-hmm. but honestly, I don't even know that that's the conversation that really needs to be had because truthfully, I don't know that the baby steps are covered. I know most people don't have a budget. I know most people certainly don't follow one. Um, realtors um, or you know just regular citizens alike. Mike, what should? How much emphasis are you going to place when you're advising someone on having those baby steps in place before you get before you get more tactical? Yeah. So just because it's common sense doesn't mean that everybody does it, right? Absolutely. I mean, we know sure. It's com- we know it's common sense that you're supposed to look both ways before you cross the street, but I can probably say that I haven't done that all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can know it's common sense that you brush your teeth at night before you go to bed, but there's probably times when I haven't done that. Sure. So, you know, just because, just because it's common sense, we have to, we can't take that for granted and assume it's all, it's all taken care of, which is again, critical. Why it's it's important to work with an, with an advisor who's going to ask the right question, get you talking about what you're looking to accomplish with your money yeah. Um, and, and, and get purposeful. I keep going back to that word, but it really has to be on purpose. So many things are done by default yep. and we want to make sure that we're designing the plan um, based on what's important to you and your specific goals. Live by design, not by default. Right. So many things are done where you mentioned a retirement plan at work, you know, a 401k plan at your company or, or you set up a, a SEP IRA or something like that as an individual. So many times. Um, an advisor will point you in the direction of what's called a target date fund, where you pick one fund and it's designed, uh, you know, for that year that you're going to retire later on down the road. Well, I would call that default, right? And so every every year that that particular target date fund is going to get more and more conservative as you get closer to retirement. Well, what if you're the guy who has invested in real estate and you've got significant base income coming through the door from rental income or what have you? Why do you need to be ultra conservative with your investments at retirement? Hmm, yeah. You know, you can, you can maintain a significant level of, of equity exposure throughout retirement. If you've done proper planning up to that point, that is living by design instead of living by default. That makes total sense, man. Makes total sense. I, okay. So let's, let's get, um, let's get a little more tactical. Let's, let's, let's take what I would guess our average listener to be, um, you know, a above average, success level real estate professional. Okay. And a Midwestern market, let's say not, not a coastal where, you know, I just read an article yesterday that 75% of Los Angeles residents cannot physically afford to own their housing. Hmm. The median, median price is above 600,000 now in Los Angeles. And that, that's probably like literally a 600 foot studio. Yeah. That's a starting point. Okay. So, so, um, what I'll what I'll say is let's let's say they make uh, adjusted gross income of two hundred thousand, okay? Mm-hmm. Adjusted gross income of two hundred thousand. They're they're an, an above average, um, success wise real estate professional. What let's say they've got a moderate amount of debt, like most people. They've got twenty five thirty percent equity in their home. They've got no credit card debt. Let's say um, they've got a, a car loan at a modest percentage of value. Um, you know, they're saving for their kids college in a, 
you know, in a savings account, but you know, what, what are the, what are the, what are the like requisites? What are the two, three, four or five things that must be a part of their financial plan, right? To put them in a position where they can retire someday. Okay. Even if it's not the age of 45, or 50 or 55 or even 60, but then they can retire someday and live a comfortable life. Mike, where would you start and what would the, what would the building blocks be? Okay. All right. So, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll take, for example, over the last 16 years of, of me working in this industry and working with individuals on building financial plans, it takes, so we've run, we've run thousands of plans over the years, right? And with my team who has more experience than me, tens of thousands of financial plans, it takes 20 to 25% of someone's household income to check off those big boxes in life. You know, the educating the kids, retiring one day, those big financial boxes. It takes 20 to 25% of someone's income. So if you have $200,000, you know, 25%, 50 $50,000. Right. Okay. And so 50, when, when you tell that, when, when this person who's listening to this podcast, who's making $200,000 a year, hears, holy, you know, you know what, that I need to be saving forty dollars or $50,000 a year towards my financial goals, they're thinking, there's no way. Yeah. You know, I'm, bare, I'm barely breaking even every year. Um, I'm lucky to be putting 3% in my 401k. I'm lucky to be putting that $50 a month into my kid's 529 college savings plan. Mm-hmm. And and so and that's the challenge because typically what people do is as they start making more money they increase their lifestyle to go along with that and they're spending what's coming in. So again, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that you do have to start earlier than later to really put pen to paper, get the budget in place, figure out what the lifestyle needs to be, and then as you start making more money, get purposeful with that. So. So let's just pretend like this uh, this this guy who's making a couple hundred thousand dollars can save, you know, twenty or twenty five percent of income. Let's just say it's twenty percent of income. Well, where would that be? Okay, where would you put that money? So, it's my opinion, you have to have that cash in the bank, you know, like we talked about, or under the mattress, wherever you want to keep the money. But usually, about three, four, five months worth of expenses that is that emergency fund. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so until they get that, that emergency fund fully funded, we're going to put 5% of income into that emergency fund. Once we get that box checked off, we don't have to continue doing that. But until then, we're going to fund the emergency fund. We're going to have at the foundation of everybody's plan, you have to have your homeowner's insurance, your car insurance, health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, all that kind of stuff. None of the fun stuff in life to talk about, but you have to have it. So there's there's an amount of money that's going towards that as a bill, you know, each month as a part of their plan. And then I would argue that you have to have, um, so again, using 20% of income, you have to have another 5% going into some type of fixed or guaranteed savings vehicle that regardless of the stock market or even regardless of the real estate market, you know, is going to grow every year. Okay. We don't want all of our money tied up in um, real estate. We don't want it all tied up in investment accounts because at any time we know that that money might not be liquid and we don't want to be forced from investment accounts to sell shares at the wrong time when the market's down. So we want to have something that's growing every year and those can be various things that we don't necessarily have to dig into here. But So 
So let's say let's say they fully funded the emergency fund. Let's say they're putting five percent into something that's fixed or guaranteed to grow. That leaves us fifteen percent for long-term market-based investing. Okay. I would argue that most young people, um, you know, I, I'm 38, like I said, so I'm, I'm going to still put myself in that young person category. You know, retirement age 60 and beyond is so far away. I don't want all my money tied up until then without being able to touch it. Right. And so we're going to have we're going to have what's called non-qualified money as part of the plan so that it's money that is invested in the market, but we can touch it at any time without penalties. Right. And then we're also going to have qualified money, which is the money that we've kind of touched on here with 401ks, IRAs. You're going to leave it in until you're 59 and a half. So by doing so, you get tax advantages. So it grows tax deferred or tax free, which is a good thing uh, for overall growth. So the combination of qualified money and non-qualified money would make up that other 15%. Okay. That was pretty tactical. I like that. Okay, so basically, for- probably more detail, probably more detail than you wanted me. To no, do. no, that's no. Seriously, that's that's what that's I want. Kind of what, stuff people don't know. Well, what what I heard there, okay, twenty five percent of income, right? Five percent income to emergency fund, five percent to fixed or guaranteed savings vehicles, and fifteen percent to long term market based qualified and non qualified investing. Is that yep. pretty much pretty much where it's at, right? But that's only that's only after you take care of your defensive your defensive planning, right? So. You said earlier, you know, in the interview, Mike, that, you know, financial or excuse me, retirement planning is simply a segment of overall financial planning. So, I mean, this is the stuff we need to hear. And I don't think we've probably paid enough attention to it um, yet on this call. So I'm going to ask you to elaborate here. Um, You talked about the defensive stuff. You talked about uh, car insurance, appropriate car insurance, homeowner's insurance, uh, health insurance, disability, et cetera. Um, you know, maybe health and disability could probably even be separated along with life insurance from the, you know, car and homeowners. I mean, most people have a loan on a car, so they're required to have car insurance. Most people have a loan on a home if they own a home, so they're required to have homeowners insurance. Those, those are pretty much non-negotiables by their lending institutions, but people have to select, you know, um, and anymore, it's very, we could probably do a whole episode on health insurance for real estate professionals and self-employed people right. alike. Not going to really go down that rabbit hole, but I think most people understand they need health insurance. Talk about disability, and and probably the most mostly I want you to elaborate on life insurance as a function of retirement planning because I know that's a big thing. I know that's something you've advocated with me in our conversations. Um, and I know that's something you're a big proponent of, and I don't necessarily know that our listeners really view life insurance as an effective retirement planning vehicle. Well, we're going down a rabbit hole here, Jay. We can have a whole well, I, series of conversations st- about this. Stay so we'll, surface level we'll, for we'll me, but they, tell, yeah, tell yeah, them yeah. Why, it, why it's a part. So let's keep it high level, but, but real estate professionals, for the most part, are going to be independent contractors, and they don't have a suite of group benefits to choose from from their employer. So they don't have life insurance through work. They don't have disability insurance or health insurance, like you mentioned. And, and so they have to go out on the open market and, and buy all that, all, all the, the, the insurance on the open market. And, you know, even, even folks like Dave Ramsey or other, you know, financial professionals out there who, who speak to the masses will tell you that you need to have long-term disability income sufficient to 
pay your bills and maintain your lifestyle if something happens to you and you can't go to work tomorrow. Sure. You need to have enough life insurance to take care of, you know, the family if something happens to you tomorrow. So, so covering the debt, setting aside money for school, making sure the kids, um, you know, continue to, to live the lifestyle that they're used to, that kind of thing. And so you mentioned life insurance with, with life insurance, there's two types of life insurance. There's term life insurance and there's permanent life insurance. Term life insurance is, uh, is fantastic. You get a lot of coverage for a little amount of money. Uh, similar to renting, it's going to cancel at a, at a certain period of time. Your, your lease will be up, you know, for lack of a better term. And so you'll have some insurance for five or 10 or 20 years. Um, and then it goes away. And for most people, that's okay because they paid off their debt. The kids are probably out of the house or close to it. So college isn't an issue anymore. And there's no need for term life insurance and term life insurance anymore. The people that I've worked with who, you know, have had insurance policies for, for 10, 15, 20 years and their term insurance policies are canceling. It never ends up being this happy day where we're all high fiving around the table <laughs> and excited excited that they don't have life insurance anymore. Most people tend to want some amount of life insurance, not because they feel like they need it, but but there's just something emotional about the fact that that you everything that you've been paying into this policy for the last twenty years is now gone and you've lost the half million or a million or two million or more of of, uh, of tax-free inheritance that's going to go to your kids and grandkids or church or school or charity or whomever. Sure. So for those people who like the idea of, of, of having that liquid death benefit, permanent life insurance makes sense. Not right for everybody. It's much more expensive than term, but it makes sense. And if, if someone has the discretionary dollars where, uh, where they can, they can actually fund a permanent life insurance policy, we can structure it in a way that does build cash in a tax efficient manner that is not tied to the stock market, um, that, that ends up being a nice cash reserve that might be growing at four or five, six percent. So nothing, nothing incredibly sexy. But when you think about where the other cash would be sitting in the bank account, getting, you know, these days, not much, uh, four or five, six percent looks pretty attractive. And so that's how we end up use, utilizing if it makes sense in somebody's plan, that's how we'll utilize an insurance product in retirement as that cash reserve vehicle, not trying to compete with returns they would otherwise get in real estate or, or the investment accounts, but really as that cash reserve vehicle to offset the down years in the stock market. Well, wow. So, yeah, if, if you want me to go one step further, I can really quickly. Sure. So in, in retirement, let's say it's a 20 or 30 year deal, right? You retire at 60 or 65, live to 90 or 95 years old. Historically speaking, the market, the stock market is down every four or five years. So what that means is that in retirement, we're going to have four, five, six, seven down years in the stock market. So where do you access money for income in retirement if all of your money is invested in the stock market? Well, in down years, you don't want to have to sell those shares of your funds or stocks, but we want to be able to access cash potentially from the insurance vehicle or CDs or cash in the bank uh, to offset those down years in the market. So I, I would argue that we need to have at least four or five years worth of income at retirement set aside in some type of cash or cash equivalent. And that's where potentially insurance can play a role. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think you you 
you did exactly what I wanted, which was, you know, really illustrate for our listeners that, you know, when you're thinking about retirement savings or retirement planning, you know, it's not just investing your money, you know, investing your money in the stock market or, you know, more the most traditional means that everyone's aware of that permanent life insurance piece is something that for a variety of reasons, you can get multiple benefits from. Um, and, and, and I think, I think, I think the long and short of it is, is, you know, you can, you know, take the Dave Ramsey approach, like, which we applauded earlier, Mike, I'm sure you disagree with this, you know, Dave advocates for buying term insurance and investing the rest, right? Well, with, in essence, with permanent life insurance, correct me if I'm wrong, we're buying some, essentially some death benefit, which is all that's provided on term life insurance. And we're trusting our financial advisor to invest the rest. The difference in in contribution and some of the benefits that come along no matter what, that don't just cancel out when your lease expires, like you said. So um, I think there's a place for that. There's a place for that. Um, you know, I think Mike would probably argue that there's a bigger place for it than, than <laughs> I might argue. So and that leads me to my last question. Um, and I, I want you to settle this for me, Mike, because, you know, I, I wrestle with this idea in my head. Um, and, you know, a big part of this podcast has been about real estate investing. We've coached our listeners on real estate investing um, from our perspective in a, in, in a bunch of different episodes. What percentage, we talked about the 5, 5, and 15, um, what percentage of a real estate professional's retirement planning strategy should be covered by real estate investing? Ooh. Ooh, that's a, that's a loaded question, Jay. You know, somebody, somebody, um, somebody like yourself, who I know is an expert in real estate and really stays above above the, the level of, you know, I'd say the average person's uh, intellect in terms of real estate, more than likely you need to be putting a big chunk of your money for long-term savings into real estate. That's your home run yeah. money. Yeah. That's the opportunity that, that you're best at, right? The best use of your dollar mm-hmm. is your home run money. That's your business. That's your real estate portfolio. That's the best use of your dollar. I or any other advisor, financial advisor, cannot give you any particular investment account recommendations that are going to outperform what you're going to do in real estate long-term. Sure. Okay. And so the best use of your dollar is, uh, is your business and, and in real estate, you are, are not the typical real estate professional out there. Okay. And, and I, I say that, you know, that's a, that's a compliment to I you. Saying, I hope that was not a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Not, not necessarily. I'm not cutting down anybody else, but, but you're, you're not the typical real estate pro out there that, you know, most real estate professionals are, are what I would call the average realtor who is helping someone buy or sell a home. And that's sure. perfectly fine. And they may or may not make enough money to purchase real estate on their own and invest that way to create a lifestyle down the road, you know, from, from that income. So I don't know if I'm answering the question the way that you want me to. I'm not going to give you a number necessarily or percentage, but but you know, for somebody who really knows it and gets it and has discretionary dollars, the best use of your dollar is that home run bucket, which I would call real estate or your business. There's there's also that there's also that second segment though that is the investment dollars, the the roller coaster money that's going to grow over time. You know, it's going to ride the roller coaster. 
and, and you're going to have some money in that investment account because of the tax advantages that you get. So you put money potentially into a SEP IRA, you get a big tax deduction today, which of course lowers your taxable income. That's a positive thing. Sure. That money is going to ride the, ride the wave of the market. And then over time, what tends to happen is that you have this appreciation for safer dollars. And so there becomes this safer segment, this cash bucket down the road that you tend to appreciate a little more over time. So, so I'm looking at this, tell me if I'm wrong, you know, I'm looking at your 25%, um, you know, retirement kind of segment, 25% of income. And, and I'm thinking that real estate in my case needs to fall within my 15, my long-term market-based investing, because that's what it is. It's what it is, right? Like that's, that's, you you didn't just mean stock market when you said 15% market-based, you you meant long-term investing. Correct. And I didn't, and I didn't just say retirement planning either. So, so long-term uh, planning, planning. And checking off those big boxes, you know, educating the kids, retirement, all that stuff, the big financial goals in life, it takes 20 to 25% of someone's income to do that. Okay. And if the majority of that goes into real estate for, for the right person, I'm perfectly fine with that. Sure. You know, knowing, knowing what I know about you and knowing what I know about planning, I am perfectly fine with you plugging the majority of your long-term dollars into real estate because I know you're going to crush it with it and do really well. Sure. There's going to there's going to be that other segment though that 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 you're going to have whether it's a SEP IRA or a 401k or something where you're putting money in for tax advantages. Long-term diversification is right. never a bad thing. Well, and that's something I've, I've I've appreciated about you, Mike. I mean, you know, I I as you can probably imagine, I've had the opportunity both here and around the country and networking and whatever, had the opportunity to talk to lots of different, you know, financial advisors, planners, you know, that kind of thing. And and honestly, like I've always kind of found that there's a protect them from themselves kind of mentality. It, 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 you know, been kind of at least somewhere present. I've never felt it with you, but um, protect them from themselves. I never understood. Like if what I know best you know, I mean, Warren Buffett didn't get where he is by diversifying against what he knew best. You know, I mean, he saw an opportunity and he went heavy on his on his opportunity, and he hit home runs. And then, and then after he hit home runs, he he diversified. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I've I've just never really understood that. And you know, you and I obviously, I mean, I have have no problem saying that. You know, I'm I'm a client of yours. You are my financial advisor, and you give me advice about what decisions to make, but. Um, just like you said, like real estate's a big part of it because it's what I know best. You know, there are, there are, are, you know, a segment, there's a segment of my income that I put aside that I just blanketly trust an advisor to take care of. And I think, you know, there's an appropriate amount for that, but, but to, to avoid, okay. In, in, in mass, what you know best, I think is a mistake. And I think for our listeners, that would be a mistake. Um, I, I'm sure 100% supportive of that. Yeah, yeah, 100% supportive of that. I, I do believe that, you know, the business owner, the, the real estate pro who really gets it, you know, the incredible stock picker that sits in the basement and understands yeah. algorithms, um, you know, that's your home run money. And that's what you need to do. That's, that's where you need to put the majority of your dollars. Awesome. Mike, this has been enormously helpful, man, and informative for our listeners. We really, really appreciate your time today. Folks, if you want to find Mike, you can get him on on all his different social channels. Again, Michael Bush, Northwestern Mutual. Uh, Mike, appreciate you joining us here on Resource. Uh, we'll have to have you back sometime, man. Do a, do a 201 versus hey, you know, on, so on much, Retirement guys, Planning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, absolutely. Mike. Appreciate the opportunity. See you, bud. 
right. Well, let me be the first to say that I definitely fall into the segment that Mike was talking about of young agents who maybe have not given this enough thought yet. I think I was, it was almost like an indictment of me as I'm listening. I can definitely hear myself in a lot of these things. But. Well, I think we did, a, I think Mike did a great job of both talking, you know, this is one of my sayings, theme and theory, right? Like, sure, so, sure. so we got the, we got the broad scope, high level, why you should be talking about this. And we got some tactical, like, these are the pieces of the puzzle. If we ever start selling resource t-shirts, we need to have one that just says, let's get tactical on let's it. Get I feel like that's been in every episode for the past like 10 let's, episodes. Let's get tactical. Let's get like, a little more tactical. Is that like, let's get physical, the song, like the <laughs> 80s song? That would be weird. Gabe's going to dub that in over the podcast and <laughs> in post-production. No, um, yeah, seriously, but it's it's the truth. Tactical, you you need some, some steps. You mm-hmm. need some like follow one, two, threes. Yeah. Um, in order to take action because we don't want to just educate. We want to provide you with, you know, steps to take action. I exactly. Mean, and an outline and a plan too. I really like, cause I mean, I obviously know I need to save money. I obviously know I need, you know, three to five months of expenses set aside, but you know, hearing a, an actual segmented plan helps me a lot. And I'm sure there's people out there like me that hear this five, five, 15 plan with really specific goals to strive for end dates to keep in mind. That kind of stuff really helps me focus on it. And I'm sure we've got listeners that probably benefited from that too. Well, cause you're not just going to pull that out of the sky. Sure. Okay? No. You know, I mean, you need somebody to give you, even if it's, even if it's fuzzy edges, right? Like you can, you can refine the plan for yourself, but like, you're not just going to pull out of the sky. 25% of my, net income needs to be invested in, you know, these increments in these segments to get where I want to go. Exactly. And like Mike said, you probably aren't going to pull that out of a book or out of a radio show, radio show either, because that stuff is the one size fits all type stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it just goes to my point. You need to get somebody that's, that's credible and involved, which, which that's something we always advocate for. Like truthfully, like we, we have an, we have an, a saying around the office. Don't be a FISBO. Yeah. Right? Don't be a FISBO. Well, if you're in an life. agent, you know what a FISBO is, right? I don't want to be my own financial advisor because I want, I don't want to be a FISBO. I'm not trying to sell my own house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire a licensed professional, a educated, qualified, you know, going to crush it for me kind of person in their lane. Mm-hmm. Okay. That can leave me alone to be in my lane. There you go. And, I mean, nothing makes more sense than that. Well, if you want to get in touch and you want to learn more about Mike or this is something that you have questions about, you know, feel free to get in touch with us. We say it every episode, but you know you can reach us at www.resourcepodcast.net. Send us a message. Give us your feedback. Uh, And if Mike is somebody that, if you're local, if you're one of our local listeners that would like to talk to Mike, we're happy to put you in touch. Uh, But there are are plenty of resources available that we can like put you in front of that will help you out. And, And don't forget, if whether you've, this is your first episode or you've listened to all 30 some episodes and you haven't given us a review on iTunes. If you haven't liked the show, if you haven't subscribed, please do that. I mean, what we want is to provide value. That's what a resource is. Exactly. Some, something that provides you value. We want to provide it to you and to more people. So the only way we get seen is if you show us your love and support and we appreciated your engagement, but we also want you to show others you know, in the mediums in which they consume podcasts. So absolutely give us a like, give us a share, post a link to your Facebook, do whatever, like say, Hey, these guys know what they're talking about. Or, Hey, these guys are terrible. I don't care if there's a dissenting opinion. I just, if I'm moving the needle, if Gabe and I move the needle for you and you're listening once a week, we want, we want, and we would be honored to have your support. And don't forget, we want to give back to you too. Right now, 
We've talked about it the past couple weeks, but head over to our Facebook page, our resource Facebook page, and drop us a like, and we will be more than happy to send you over our gear list, which has a complete list of all of the equipment we use to put this show together, including our video show that you may have seen on social also. You know, these are the kind of resources we want to share with you. We want to share the stuff that we have learned so that you can continue to grow your business if that's something you're interested in. So make sure to head over to Facebook at The Resource Podcast, where you can find our Facebook page. Drop us a like. If you're not already a qualified subscriber on the website, make sure to do that too, and we'll be happy to send you over that gear list. Thanks again, folks. We really appreciate you joining in. Uh, From Gabe and I, we'll keep bringing you value. See you next time.